0: What's up, podcast homies? It's really good to be with you. This interview is so fun. This is with my OBGYN, Dr. Christine Brass Jones. Let me tell you what we talk about. We talk about breastfeeding and bottle feeding, and you get a lot of her perspective because she sees so many moms like losing their minds over trying to force breastfeeding. And she's just so cool about that topic. We also talk about hemorrhaging. And in the last nine years since I had my really severe postpartum hemorrhage, she teaches a few different tools and methods and medications they have now to stop a postpartum hemorrhage. And I thought that was fascinating. We talk about the importance of getting sleep and making sure that you're having other people take your baby so you're getting enough sleep, what she wishes insurance would cover, my meltdown in her office, and so much more. So, Make sure you listen towards the end for her final takeaway message to moms postpartum and having babies, pregnancy, delivery, it's so good. Welcome to the Postpartum Coach Podcast, where we embrace our needs as moms, we learn to lead ourselves first, then our families, and where we create our own healing from the inside out to find our way to the work we were meant to do in this world. I'm your host, a fellow mom of three and a certified life coach, Lizzie Langston. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Postpartum Coach Podcast. I am here with my O-B-G-Y-N. My doctor. My, I feel like she has this mother energy. I keep wanting to call her my, my mother somehow. So Dr. Brass, Dr. Brass Jones is here with me. I'm going to introduce her in just a second. Um, but I want you guys all to know that I was planning on a home birth. It's quite a story. I was planning on a home birth. And then, um, as you know, things didn't work out. I had my placenta partially ruptured, but before that, even I had preeclampsia sneaking up. So we switched from a home birth plan to a hospital and we heard just the best things. My my home birthing midwives highly recommended Dr. Brass Jones and her practice, which is the Center for True Harmony and Wellness. They're in—is that Gilbert Chandler? No,
1: actually in Chandler, but like we're right across the street from Gilbert because like we're right across from that Costco that's right there on Country Club and Baseline.
0: Okay, okay, yeah. So anyway, I didn't know what to expect. I remember my first appointment with you, Dr. Brass. I, um, you know how some doctors just, I don't know, they kind of just don't trust what you think. They just want to read what the other doctors wrote and they want to make their own conclusions. But I remember I started to kind of talk, but I wasn't talking too much because I didn't want to step on your toes. I don't know. And you were just like, oh, like you said something like, I'll shut up. I want to hear what you, like, what do you think? Like, what do you think's going on? (laughs) Because my midwives, and I, I remember from that moment, I was like, okay, she she believes that I actually know some stuff about my own body like she's willing to hear me and trust me and that was vital that just set things off on such a great foot and I don't know if you remember that moment but that was such a big deal to me cuz I probably was a little nervous the last time I was working with an OB it was a dude and it was he was quite old and in my opinion he needed to retire he was quite burnt out <laughs> And I um I didn't get that vibe from you at all. You don't seem burnt out. So, why don't you tell everybody um uh, a little bit about you and how long you've been at it and kind of how you got into this whole world and yeah, tell us the things. Welcome.
1: Sure, absolutely. Um my uh I I my name is uh Dr. Christine Brass Jones. Woo-hoo! Purple pixie cut. I'm originally from New York City. Uh-huh. Oh, really? I didn't know uh, that. I Did my training in Iowa and I came out to Arizona as part of my training and in April and I fell in love with the weather because I'd been in you know New York and New Jersey and Iowa and Ohio and all these places where the weather can be just terrible so I knew what I wanted to do I want to do OBGYN and I knew that I'm going to be working really hard. I'm not going to really have a lot of time for myself. And when I have that time for myself, I really want the weather to be kind of nice. You know oh. what I mean? Like, yes, I do. Outside and read a book or whatever. So uh, bonus, I met my, um, uh, the father of my children. He's now my okay. ex-husband. Okay. Um, and I also met my partner that originally helped me open up my office. Oh Very kind of try to marry uh, natural because we have a naturopathic physician and uh, you know traditional like give people options we always want to give people options Mm -hmm. Uh, we have massage therapy we have a couple lasers coming on one that's for like hair loss amazing that's for facial stuff and and we're just trying to keep moving in a direction we have midwifery now I practice very much like a midwife before people thought I was a little kooky but you know it worked so as it's working and over time people want more of that model and I believe that that's the best model anyway to be to start with you know yes you gotta have the layers of protection you need the OBs, you need the maternal fetal medicine doctors. you need that hierarchy but is most people can start you know what I mean? Like at least start. And especially if you're all working together, and especially if someday we're going to have actually like a a shortage of physicians, we should all just simply be working together. Mm -hmm. So then I opened my practice. Uh, I tried working with other people, didn't really work, um, got kind of burnout and then opened my own office so I could practice my own way. And I've been there for 19
0: years. Holy Hannah, that's impressive. And you guys, I have to tell you her office is popping like all the time. It's so busy. So many mamas want to be there like, and they don't even mind the wait because sometimes they have to wait, right? Because that's just how it is. And sometimes you got to
1: wait and sometimes you get in fast. And sometimes somebody bumps you because they're, you know, they're, ultrasound might be more important than somebody else but we've been able to you know incorporate some things like have in-house ultrasound and yeah. lab lab is really helpful I think mm-hmm. not having to run around and go get your lab over here and your lab over there you know what I mean so yes,
0: I do that's been, well, too for people. yeah and I don't I what I mean by the waiting is just that I genuinely it's funny because my first time I remember being like okay I've been out here a little while and then once I experienced you, I was like, oh, I'm not going anywhere else. I don't care. I don't care how long I have to wait. And it's, I'm not, I'm making the wait sound like it's such a big deal. It's not. It was just normal wait time, but I, I just was like, oh, I see why everyone wants to be here. That's what, and, and you know what? Okay, the moment I knew that I wasn't the only one that thought a lot of your practice is my favorite nurse from the hospital that like sat me down and she knew so much about breastfeeding and she wasn't even that old. It's like she just had a ton of experience and she had her own kids. I saw her. She's one of your patients. And I saw her in your practice and I was like, okay, if the hospital nurses want to work with this as their personal OB, you know, if they want to be at this practice, then then this is this is a place to be. <laughs> so, okay. I'm I, just real quick for my Arizona mamas, or if anybody's moving to Arizona or whatever. I love and did love and Acatillo. It was so clean. Banner Ocatillo is in Chandler. It's actually like the third. Farthest from my house, there's two other hospitals closer to me, but I went there because I I got to have a little tour, and it was so clean, and all of the nurses are so experienced because it's a newer hospital. They had to hire experienced people, so I just I just love it. Okay, so let's um talk about me and you working together real quick. My people know my birth story, they know what happened, but just a brief recap if you didn't catch it. Although it is earlier on the podcast, you guys, it's right around the 300 episode mark. Um, but I was planning on a home birth. And around 35 weeks, 35 weeks, Miss Miss um, Dr. Brash <laughs> Jones, Miss Christine, had to take me on. Um, because I was uh, preeclamptic at that point was struggling with some high blood pressure. I was getting into the preeclampsia zone. I wasn't quite there yet. We were watching it closely and I have a history of hemorrhage and there was some weird stuff coming up in my blood. It was not fun. And I'm not going to go into those details now, but I do want to just say before we ask you some questions that my listeners and my Instagram people have given us today. So stay tuned because we, ha- we have questions for Dr. Jones, Dr. Brass Jones um, from you guys. But I just wanted to say, I, I thought that I felt so natural. I don't know. I was so nervous to go see an OB at 35 weeks and some change and have some complications. And you were just like, let's go. You were like game time. It was not an issue. You were not nervous. You were just like, all right. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to set you an induction date, but we're going to be generous with it. And then we're going to watch you. And you know, it was just like, you just took the lead. I loved it. You did great. Well, I try to take the lead
1: in a certain way though, right? I mean, I want you to, uh, we're all partners in this, right? I shouldn't, yeah. if we're getting into complications, we shouldn't just, we shouldn't just not explain like, hey, we need to explain, hey, this is where we're at. This is where we need to be. And until we get there, we need to watch out for these things. Yeah, I mean, right. I could get into like, science if people want it, or I can get into the, you know, all the risks, some people do want that. Some people are like, whatever, just do a C-section. That's okay too, or whatever. Yeah. But but in a lot of ways, it's helpful for somebody to understand why we're doing this. We don't just, excuse my English, make this shit up. We don't. Right. right. There's a lot of, tons, tons of case studies. And, you know, if we do it this way, how will that work out? And research, research, research into why we do things the way we do them. Yeah. We don't just do them because we feel like it. You know what I mean? And we also want the best possible outcome for the patient and for their baby because we always have two patients to deal with, you know, to I mean? not deal with, but to be taken care of. We can't exclude either one of you.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I felt yeah. that. I felt that. Well, okay. There was one more thing I wanted you to share, which was you said you had, you said you had some spidey senses that popped up the morning that I had my C-section before, yeah. before I called you. Will you tell us about that part of you? Cause I think it's going so, to, the I mean, there, there are
1: times when I have, I don't know, just a little intuitional top on the shoulder. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe one of my midwives is delivering a baby and I go, Hey, how's it going? And they'll be like, Oh, the baby just delivered. Everything's fine. Or Mm -hmm. I'll be like, Hey, you know, have you checked her in a while because it seems to be like a bit and out of nowhere, I'll just do that. But in my mind, I'm thinking, this patient should be complete. She should have made some changes. Something should be happening. And they'll be like, Oh yeah, she just turned complete. And we, you know, or, you know, sometimes I'll feel like, oh, I don't know about this patient. She might be getting a little sick, thinking that maybe at this particular time, you know, we should start, I don't know, looking at them more closely, falling labs or whatever. Yeah. It doesn't work all the time. I wish it did because then I'd be a lottery winner, you know what I mean? <laughs> but for my patients, it's helpful to just listen to those instincts, right? Moms have instincts. Doctors have instincts. We need to listen to them to be able to take care of our patients.
0: Yeah. You said you were walking your dog and you were like, she needs to have that baby. <laughs> like she needs to Yeah. Have-
1: that's what I said. I was walking the dog. I was talking to Robin, maybe. Is
0: that and one of your midwives?
1: I said, I said, yeah, I said, she needs to have this baby like sooner rather than later.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and then um, it was sooner (laughs) because it was that day or the next day or something. Yeah, that was crazy cool. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. All right, so let's get into some of these questions, my loves, all the mamas that are listening. Well, okay, I want to kind of start with my questions, which is, if you could pick one thing that insurance could give to moms that is not currently just given to moms, like moms either have to pay for it privately or whatever, that maybe the community offers it, what would it be? Like if, if postpartum women I'm thinking and, or pregnant, and maybe you can answer each like pregnant and then postpartum.
1: Yeah. If I could handpick, I think it would be like way better breastfeeding support and then also maybe just feed the babies. Like just, you know, if, if they need, um, formula, why are we not just at least supplement like formula is so expensive. You know, if you need formula, then here's a voucher. You you know, it's kind of like they started doing the breast pumps and actually having insurance companies pay for it, for it. Yeah. Well, that's lovely, but what if I'm not going to breastfeed? What if I can't breastfeed? Why don't we also supplement my you know formula, or whatever?
0: Dang, because formula is expensive, and especially uh, my baby has a sensitive tummy, and I've had to try like three different kinds, which wastes a couple different bottles because they were hurting her tummy, and then. Yeah. And then it's not like perfect or whatever. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It is dang expensive. That's a cool one. Like giving vouchers for the cost of formula. And then, and you know, when it comes to breastfeeding education, it was only until this fourth one that I realized how much I didn't know back when I was breastfeeding. And I got away with it because I had a decent milk supply and my babies weren't too in too bad of a condition, but I could have had really big problems. And if I had had really big problems, I don't know that I would have been equipped to handle them. So yeah, breastfeeding, there's, there's actually like a lot to it. It's, it's like a whole art.
1: I know and because they have all these initiatives and they want everybody to be like hundred percent breastfeeding, like in the hospitals and stuff and Jayco and all these different things. And it's like, well, then you have to give the people the support that they need.
0: Right. If you want that outcome. Yeah. Well, and I bottle fed this time out of, out of necessity. I made like a mental health call a couple weeks after having baby because I was exclusively pumping. She was too small to get on my nipple and really actually feed. And, um, I just was like, I am not doing this. And I actually love bottle feeding too. And there's so many amazing, good formulas that make me feel so good about, you know, what she's getting and stuff. So I I'm kind of more I love breastfeeding. I always will. It's so intimate and delicious, but I'm also like, oh, I don't, I think I might've done better postpartum with my adjustment if I hadn't have tried, like worried so much about breastfeeding and just like, I don't know, there was something, I felt like I was a bad mom if I didn't nail it. So that was kind of (laughs) crazy. Do you see moms like that? That are like all their panties are in a bundle over breastfeeding and it like kind of messes with them mentally. Totally. Absolutely. What do you Absolutely. To, what do you want to say to them if there's a mom that is like um
1: yes so, so I think it has to be a balance and if it's gonna make you totally crazy, then you need to to either like do some combo or just not breastfeed your baby. Okay, so I'll tell you, I am not a breastfed baby. When my mom had me, mm-hmm. she was told, here, take this shot and then here's formula, and then go home and give this baby the formula because mm-hmm. they didn't even give me an option they didn't give me an option they just told me to formula feed my baby and I went to medical school so you know so it's not you, that bad it can't be that bad.
0: yes <laughs> sorry I just had to see your face it was perfect and you know I went to medical school. I
1: mean I went to medical school and I was not a breastfed baby so like you know and I wasn't sick all the time and I mean my sister and I had some stuff when we were little but it's not like we were sick all the time or
0: anything my sister went to law school I went to medical school and you know your life was pretty great yeah I don't remember if it was one of your midwives or who but they were like listen if I look at two humans and one was breastfed for two years and one was bottle fed from day one I can't see a difference ever no like, just keep it in perspective. So if you want to do it for reasons that you love, great. But if it is so hard for you, you're struggling and you feel like your mental health is on, on the cusp of breaking down over breastfeeding. There you have it. She was she was bottle fed completely and she went to medical school. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Um, it's fine. Okay. And my mother didn't uh-huh.
1: not bond with me. You know what I mean? The other thing is my mom didn't not bond with me. You were I had a lot more. Bottles to wash and sterilize and things like that. Yeah. You know, I think it really gets complicated when people can't just breastfeed because I just breastfed pretty much. I would pump when I was at work, but I think it starts to get crazy when you're maybe your supply is low and so you're breastfeeding and then you're pumping and then you're bottle feeding and then you're, you know what I mean? All that yeah. stuff. I think I that's when it starts to get too, com- too complicated. And then, you know, you have to, like, make a decision. You know what I mean? If you've done everything to get your supply up, but it's not working, then maybe supplement. And then eventually your breast milk will probably go away. And then you formula feed your baby. And, I mean, even the technology of the formula they have now versus when I was born, I'm sure, is way more nutritious than ever. And so I wouldn't worry so much. Right. your job to bond is when your baby's in your belly. So when people say, well, I have to bond my baby. I got to have them on my chest for the whatever. I'm like, you didn't, I mean, I used to talk to my kid all day long. All day long, I'd talk to them. I'd be like, okay, get off my bladder. I'd be like, you know, I'd be like, hey, kid, are you hungry? Let's go eat something. You know, like we're bonding then.
0: Yeah. You know, they're
1: inside of me and I'm, that's what
0: we're Yeah. That's like a really good point. I, I don't want anyone to think that you have to breastfeed to be well bonded with your baby. And in fact, sometimes the stress of breastfeeding and even the caloric stress on your body. And I'm not anti-breastfeeding at all, but I'm just saying. Balance. It's balance. Balance. Yeah. It's balance. Right. Let's talk about sleep. <laughs> sleep is,
1: no, sleep. I mean, I haven't slept in years. So... Sleep is super important. Tell me, tell me why you know that.
0: Oh, okay. Are you wanting me to talk about how I broke down in your office now? Is that what you're hinting at? <laughs> we- yeah. So, I mean, what happened for us, and I kind of mentioned this in our, uh, in my birth story stuff, or maybe the next ones after that, I don't know. But um, our baby was early. I had a my placenta partially ruptured. So she came 36 and six and I had an emergency C-section. I'd never recovered from a C-section before because I had all my babies vaginally. And then she had, we didn't know it at the time, but she had like a tight upper lip and also a, a restricted tongue. So she had a lot of tenseness in her face and her swallowing and eating wasn't great. So she was swallowing a lot of bubbles. So she was really gassy and uncomfortable. So she was sleeping like four hours during the nighttime. It was insane. And I had always just been with my babies throughout the night. I'd never hired any sleep support before. Granted, I did have all the rest of my kids in my 20s and now I'm 33. <laughs> but yeah, I went into Dr. B's office and I was like, uh, I don't even know what I said. I just started crying, I think, in the middle of my sentence. And well, she was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. She just looked at me. She's like, what? What's going? You're different than last time. Like, what's going on? I was like, well, she's sleeping about four hours a night, and <laughs> yeah, and that's I think when I started crying, and and I was getting really anxious too because I had um, you were like looking at you, you had me do it a quick ultrasound because of stuff that was we were figuring details out. Anyway,
1: what happened was you you weren't sleeping, and so you kind of forgot to take care of yourself, like at all.
0: That's true. That's true. That's
1: kind of like just put yourself on the back burner and now you were you didn't even realize that you were suffering because you put your needs so far back you know what I mean so far back that you couldn't even
0: almost like catch up to that oh my gosh so beautifully said it's true it's absolutely true. And the sleep deprivation. and you know, my mindset was I've got to get the baby what she needs. And I was hanging on and hanging on. And I was putting myself last so that I could get her what she needed. And you were like, yeah, but you can't do that. You can't do that. You need to. Well, but the other is have other people to help you with the baby. You just don't want
1: to like let that happen sometimes. Right. So You got to let other people help you with the baby. The baby doesn't care. Right. You got. Who doesn't care who's holding and loving on it and stuff like that while you're sleeping? You know, like there's, you you can give the baby to your mom or your or your dad or to your husband or to your sister or whatever, and then you've got to take a little time for your own self care.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and you made fun of me <laughs> in the nicest way possible, because <laughs> you're like, we were just joking about how we're a po- I'm a postpartum coach and <laughs> and I was I was having my moment postpartum, Um, and then you told me stories of how you know everything about pregnancy and yet you were pregnant as a practicing OB and kind of didn't do everything you were telling your pregnant moms to do, and you're like, yeah, it happens. It happens. <laughs> absolutely, yeah,
1: absolutely. Everybody makes weeks. But yeah. we have to then like, at least what you did that day was you listened to me and then you went home and you kind of implemented. I steps. took
0: action. Oh, so I did. You started to feel better. You started mm-hmm. to feel better. Yeah. And I think that came from my deep trust of you. And I'm trying to think of what, I think there was a lot of trust in that moment when I was first in your office and you stopped talking, you were like, you tell me what's going on. And that, that built a lot of trust. And then you were just so fun and you weren't like, I don't know. You know that whole idea of the white jacket syndrome where people just get White, coat. white coat. Thank you. White coat. You we don't wear white coats in my
1: office for that reason. Because a lot of times I'll have a student, usually have a PA student come in and they'll walk in with their white coats and I'll be like, yeah, leave that in your car next time. <laughs> Nobody really wants to see that. That's not right. what we're. About. We're not like, we're wearing our white coats because we're better than you, you know? But <laughs> I, mean, I- There's like a symbol, there's a symbolization of like, you know, that you're the physician or the physician's assistant when you wear a certain white coat. But it's a different dynamic when you're working with uh, moms and, you know, pregnant women or menopausal or, you know, teenagers. You just, it's a different, it's a different yeah, and relationship kind of you have to have.
0: There, so, yeah. Speaking- Speaking of that relationship, do you ever sense that your patients aren't wanting to tell you everything and they're kind of nervous to talk to you?
1: So personally, not usually, because somehow I get them to start talking about whatever it is, you know? Yeah. And I don't know. So not usually do I have that personal problem.
0: Good. Well, I was I was just curious because I feel like um, I withheld a lot in my when i was in my 20s having my first couple of babies and i think i just didn't feel a lot of trust with my provider but i also didn't think i don't know i just didn't know what i could have in a provider until i found you i didn't realize how natural and how easy and how comfortable a relationship with an ob could feel and so i was really um kind of not interested in having an ob this is one of the main reasons why i my my one experience with the ob that i had was just not awesome and so I'm like, thank you for healing my my perception of OBs, Dr. Brass. Good. <laughs> yeah. And I love that you surround yourself with midwives. You have your five, I think five midwives, right? That practice cert- certified yep. midwives. So they're in the yep. hospital. They're, they're essentially doing everything unless it gets emergent. I mean, so I actually, well, I wasn't even going to see Dr. Brass in the hospital um, unless there was some sort of problem. That was our plan. Like she might not have even seen me but then my placenta ruptured and I needed a C-section. So of course she was the one to do that. But, um, yeah, let's talk about, you told me at one point in my care, cause I was really nervous about hemorrhaging again, remember? Cause I had a history with hemorrhaging. And one thing you said to me that was really calming that I I kind of want other moms to hear is you said about nine years ago when I had my hemorrhage, there's, you said there's a lot more now in the past nine years. Yeah. That we can do than we could have done nine years ago. Can you tell us, without getting too gory, I guess, <laughs> for the mamas that you know might not love the blood and guts stuff? Can you tell us um, what, like, what what can you do for blood control and bleeding control and stuff like that?
1: So, the probably the two biggest uh, things that have made a difference is one of them is called TXA or try. Anexemic acid. I can't, it's hard to pronounce, but it's called TXA. Yeah. That medication was developed to help your body make uh, more blood clots so that you can stop bleeds. Okay. So that has been a game changer and has actually moved up to like the front lines like, of most of the time when you start having a hemorrhage. You okay. immediately start with the TXA. It's like first line TXA. And usually we're doing pitocin to try to get your uterus to clamp down, and we have methergin, which helps decrease the blood flow. But that's only if your blood pressure is okay. But the TXA doesn't really have any of these other. It's just like, hey, start clotting better, mm-hmm. uh, Cool. So that's really helpful. And then the other thing that we have, we have a new device that was actually developed by some researchers were having a competition at MIT no and it's like a new uh, device that goes into the uterus and it like suctions down so that the uterus that might be bleeding gets kind of sucked down with some um, suction in internal suction and then it kind of helps the uterus to slow down its bleeding while you are Getting the uterus to try to clamp down on itself wow. too, and okay. we have this other one that was like a balloon that goes inside. But this new one, it's called the Jada, is even better than so the Bakri balloon or the Jada; those are all kind of newer things too. And the TXA is probably the biggest. Dang! So we have like wh- you know more tools in our toolbox to help you. Sometimes we even have to get like interventional radiology in, you know, in to intervene if somebody's like really bleeding, but, but we have like more tools in our toolbox to help moms keep their uteruses because back in the day, the, you know, the last resort, I guess still the last resort might be a hysterectomy. Yeah. But we have less and less times that we actually have to go in there.
0: Yeah. Awesome. awesome. Yes, that is. Last resort would be a hysterectomy. I agree. Um, what do you see is working? I mean, I know your, your focus is not postpartum, obviously. I mean, you, you do the best you can caring for that, but, um, and you, you, you medic, you can help p- women get medicated if they want to get medicated. But what do you see that's working well, whether it's something within your practice or other providers of some kind for postpartum women? Like, I don't know. Are are they telling you like, oh, I tried this and it's really helping or for their mental health? I think
1: placenta encapsulation is helpful. It seems like more and more people are utilizing it and it's really helping them after they have a baby. So a lot of ulas will do placenta encapsulation. They take your placenta home. They dehydrate it. They grind it up into like a powder and then they put it in capsules right probably has something to do with the high progesterone that we hang out with during our pregnancy and then when our placenta leaves we like plummet you know we plummet to the earth you know with our progesterone levels in our body and then so by ingesting placenta afterwards we can keep our progesterone a little more even keeled as we kind of naturally go down right like Take you don't take the placenta encapsulation or the encapsulated placenta all the time, but you just kind of slowly go down and you know use it. I think another thing that helps is there's a lot of people who are getting more and more instruction Mm -hmm. in how to utilize medications that maybe other you know otherwise weren't being used during pregnancy and postpartum that they're safe they're whatever. So people who have problems with mental health or have been on a medication for forever, we don't have to throw take them off of it a lot of times. And we can keep them on it safely. And then they can breastfeed on it. So we just learning more and more things about that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. I'm not a doctor, but I'm I'm personally not afraid of being on an antidepressant while pregnant or nursing. It didn't bother me or my baby as far as I can tell. And um it was very helpful to me for my benefit. So yeah, she's she's nodding her head. That's what we'll say about that. Yeah. It's kind of three o'clock, and I don't want to keep you too long, but I just want to say thank you so much. There's probably even more questions we could ask you. But I I think my my main reason I wanted to bring you on is I wanted to just show women that like keep keep looking. If you don't feel awesome about your provider, like I feel awesome. I feel so awesome and so taken care of and so seen. And so calm and chill. I mean, I always get a little anxious when I go into any sort of doctor's type office, but Doctor Brass and her team are just incredible. And I'm like, keep searching until you find someone that you feel like that with. That's what I want to say because it is so important the relationship with you have you have with the provider. I I I serve so many women who go to their six week checkup and they won't tell their provider what's really going on in their mind and body because they're they're too scared. They don't feel safe. So I think Dr. Brash, you do an awesome job at helping your people feel safe. And I would just say to the mamas, like find someone that you can feel safe with. It's so, so, so important. Yeah, it really is. Mm -hmm. It really is. It's also important
1: when you go to your pediatrician too, because I remember I had a pediatrician picked out, but then I liked the guy who came in when I had my first. So I tried his office first and I hated his staff. And I was like, nope, we're never coming back here again. They handled my baby like some kind of, I don't know, McDonald's hamburger. And I could say that because I used to work at McDonald's and <laughs> not like my precious newborn that I just, you know, risked my life and birth and, you know, so I think it's important to not settle. It's important not to settle. Don't settle. Don't. Find your, find your human. Find your, human. find your human. They're out there and you can, they're out there. Don't just, you know, like some people pick, you know, places that have like a hundred locations and tons of whatever, but that doesn't mean you're going to get the best care. Right. It doesn't.
0: it doesn't, it doesn't. Right. And I, I, one of the things that really drew me and I'll, we're wrapping up. I just wanted to say one, one thing that really drew me to you and your office and everything, your practice was your your focus on natural stuff, like you have massages that you have massage therapists that I can book with. It's through your website, and you have certified nurse midwives that do the rounds in the hospital, and then you have the more invasive stuff for the emergencies that do occur occasionally. Um, but you guys have like herbal tea in the waiting room, and it's like homemade, and you have like crystals in there, and it's a freaking OB's office. I love it. <laughs> You're the well- best thank
1: you we loved you we loved having you too we still love you and your little one and your husband is just a freaking hysterical man I know so <laughs> he was he was very entertaining at all times.
0: he was yeah he he's so good by the way he told me to tell you hi when I told him that I was interviewing you <laughs>
1: And let's, you know, we can always do this again so we can answer more of those questions or you can send me the question. I can look at them beforehand and, yeah. you know, whatever you want. It's fine.
0: You're the best. Well, thank you. Okay. We'll we'll probably definitely have you back on. That's That sounds like a deal. We love you. And okay. you guys, if you have any questions, if you live in the area, please do reach out to her office. I'll put the link in the show notes of this episode so you can check out the Center for True Harmony and Wellness um, and any of her staff and they're all awesome. So thanks again, Dr. B. Have a great day. Thank you. Bye. 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 Hey, Lizzie here. I've helped dozens of postpartum moms just like you to manage their postpartum anxiety and deconstruct their postpartum depression. It's really easy for me. So if you're ready to feel better, I know the way let's chat on the phone. Set up a time by going to lizzielangston.com forward slash consult. It's pretty simple. And I will be calling you soon. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness.